0: My kids love their snacks just like everyone else, but I'm really picky about what they eat, and if it's going to be something in a package, I want it to be healthy, high quality, and something that's not going to break the bank. I recently discovered Thrive Market, and they check all the boxes. My kids are loving the seaweed snacks, cinnamon applesauce, and the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds. What I love most about Thrive Market is that everything is organic and non-GMO and it's more affordable than what you'll find in the stores. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash foodissues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com foodissues. This is Food Issues. In every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insights to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. Throughout the pandemic, we found ourselves cooking more than ever, and maybe we even brought our kids into the kitchen with us. While cooking can often feel like a chore or something you don't have time for, Cooking with your kids is one of the best ways to get them out of their picky eating habits and become healthy, adventurous eaters. We all need to learn to cook someday, but if we can do it as kids, it's a double whammy because it will help them eat better. That's Katie Kimball, founder of Kitchen Stewardship and the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse. We'll talk about where the idea of kid-friendly food and kids' menus came from, the many benefits of cooking with kids, and easy practical tips to teach your kids to cook, even if you don't like to cook yourself. We'll also talk about Kimball's Kids Meal Revolution and how you can get involved. This interview with Katie Kimball has a ton of information and easy strategies you can start today to get cooking with your kids and have fun. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Katie as much as I did. Well, Katie, it's so good to welcome you to the Food Issues Podcast. Thanks for having me, Julie. Great. Well, so let's dive right in. So why is there this misplaced belief that kids will only eat kid-friendly foods?
1: Well, Julie, you're starting off with one that's going to get me kind of riled up. So I don't know if this is wise, but you said we were jumping right in. Um, I, I just, it frustrates me because we lower the bar so very much as a culture right we got the restaurant kids menus bland you know same landscape no matter where you go we got fast food kids meals and then the convenience food for kids that are so tempting for parents right so i think part of it is just as parents we slide into bad habits because we are exhausted at the end of the day right we know scientifically we have this sort of finite number of good decisions that we can make in the day and generally by the end of the day we are running out of them Big time, And so even when we have good intentions, the culture throwing all of this, you know, marketed kid-friendly food at us makes it really easy to slide into that bad habit of short order cooking. But then we perpetuate the cycle because we're training our kids' palates to only appreciate, you know, enjoy bland, not even always bland food, but food that's made to excite their taste buds really and to teach them that there's not much variety in the world. Right. And and I just, this is not good for kids. This is nothing to celebrate. And, um, and I've been pondering lately, like, how did it get, how did that monochromatic food landscape become what culture tells us is quote kid friendly, right? Is it, is it where we start out with rice cereal for babies? Like it's, it's not scientific that, that they can't handle anything. Um, I think in general one, one little note that I've been pondering is We've seen a great increase in highly sensitive people, people who don't like the tags on their clothing, people who don't like the um, seams in their socks. And there's like whole lines of of clothing and food for the more highly sensitive people. And so I think that there's some sort of shift happening in our physiology where, and maybe it's because so many different chemicals and toxins are being thrown at us that our bodies evolutionarily aren't used to. We're becoming a little more highly sensitive as a, as a race, as a human race. And so, you know, when we start with the kids, they're just, we are training them. Now, they are not unable to handle, but we're, we seem to be training them into this monochromatic food landscape. And it's dangerous because the world is full of beautiful fruits, vegetables, proteins, you know, tons of different flavors. And I think we do a great disservice to our kids to allow the culture to tell us what kid friendly food is
0: absolutely yeah i agree with you about feeding you know starting solids with your kids were at least when my kids were younger and they're they're still pretty young but the the thought was that you would start out with rice cereal and and we know now that that's not really what you should be starting them out with and so yeah where does that thought process come from and and it's coming from medical professionals too right Um, not the good ones. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a trick question, Julie.
0: (laughs) Right, right. But it's definitely the traditional way of thinking. What do you say? I think
1: so. I think
0: I'm pleased to
1: see the pendulum swinging back. I think more young parents are valuing real food, healthy food. I think there's a great shift toward, you know, what's called baby led weaning, which is just giving kids like food on their tray and letting them play with it. Um, And I am seeing more and more medical professionals saying, oh, you know what? We need to actually expose our baby's palates to a much wider variety and certainly not like dead, bland, empty carbs as their first meal. So I think the pendulum is shifting, but I also live a little bit outside the mainstream. So,
0: yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay, great. So one of the things that has always sort of bothered me as a mom, and I think that you'll probably agree, is that when you take your kids out to a restaurant, regardless of the type of cuisine, the type of restaurant it is, the kids' menu has the same rotation of kid-friendly foods. So there's hamburgers, chicken fingers, mac and cheese, fries, grilled cheese, no matter... What type of restaurant you're at, for the most part. You know, I, we went to um, a Mexican restaurant last year and they had those same foods and maybe like a quesadilla thrown in or a burrito mm-hmm. thrown in. But for the most part, again, it feeds into that thought process of your kid will only eat these types of foods. And so do you know where this idea for this kid's menu came from? Well I think
1: it's fascinating and I I did do research on this when I was preparing for my TEDx talk that it ended up getting canceled um <laughs> but I did it myself anyway. Um so in research for that I thought well where where did these kids menus come from and these kid friendly meals and and it's funny because it's all marketing but it started with maybe more of like um like a positive heart behind it not just marketing. So in the early 1900s, restaurant dining was, was seen as just for the high class, right? So parents did not bring their kids to a restaurant like we do today. You know, a restaurant is like a break from cooking, not the same 100 years ago. And restaurant owners wanted parents to come out to eat more often. And so they thought, well, if we can convince them to bring their children, they'll frequent our restaurant more often. And then, you know, we will make more money. Obviously, a very, you know, capitalist agenda there, but... They did start with doctors designing very nutritious kids' menus. How ironic is that? Yeah. Like it's the exact opposite of what they became. Um, they were, they were more bland food, nothing, you know, the adults are eating very fancy, flavorful, you know, chef cuisine. Um, but these kids' meals, kids restaurant, kids menus were served to specifications for health and nutrition. Which is so, and they thought that's what the parents would desire, right? For their children. Now then, World War II sort of shifted parenting styles. Parenting books changed um, from more like children should be seen and not heard to, you know, how can we you know, create good children and Dr. Spock and all that. So as parenting changed, the way that people looked at children's diets relaxed a lot But now parents were used to restaurants having kids' menus. They had these low prices and they had this marketing value. And so, and the restaurant owners were, you know, happy to bring in the whole families. And so everything sort of shifted, but it's all, they they shifted to like what they thought kids wanted to eat then. It it was all marketing. It's all misguided, right? Mm -hmm. Children just need smaller portions than adults. Maybe they would prefer, you know, their food more separated than adults so that they can have preferences, but there's no scientific reason that kids should have different food.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the biggest benefits of ordering off the kid's menu is that it's portion controlled, but with my family, we will often order my girls a a regular entree and have them split it or an appetizer and... Uh, a salad or a soup or something like that. Is, is that how you tend to, to approach ordering when you go out to eat with your family?
1: We really do. I, I try to nudge my kids away from the kids menu for sure. Uh, on the other hand, that kids menu is all foods that we don't really eat at home. So uh-huh. sometimes that is like their their fun opportunity to have grilled cheese for that one time a year. And for me, at least it's less expensive. So I, we, we go back and forth. Um, now, I mean, I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old, so we have graduated from the kids menu and man, eating out is so much more expensive, (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're they're eating huge meals. Um, but like, so I have to like have this little argument in my brain. Yes, it's more expensive. It is better for them. It'll expand their palate. And we, you know, we definitely try to encourage our kids to take the opportunity in a restaurant to try something that they wouldn't normally have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Well, so when I started my site com, I was on a mission really to change parents' perspectives about feeding kids and in the US, you know, we tackle chronic disease disease when it becomes a problem when we're adults. But my thought is if we simply raise kids who knew how to eat healthy and of course this is very complicated because a lot of parents simply don't have the means to do so. Um, still we we could largely avoid all of the problems that we're facing and so Now, in the midst of COVID, more than ever, um, do you think it's vital that we rethink how we feed our, our kids? Well,
1: you and I are cut from the same cloth, Julie, because that's exactly what I think. You know, we have all this epidemic of chronic disease in adulthood. Why aren't we looking at prevention? Why are we trying to raise children with healthier habits, right? And it is so much more important right now. Um, I mean, we see we see the articles. We see the scientists and doctors saying that what is making COVID nineteen so much more deadly in the U.S. compared to other nations. I mean, it's all theory right now. But one of the theories, and a big one, is that we have such an, an incidence of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and we know that. I mean, these are called lifestyle diseases. They they come from genetics. Yes, sure. Yes, yes, yes. But the habits that people start in childhood. These habits when like no one is worrying about what kids are eating, I really truly believe that that's the root cause of the problems we're seeing in adulthood. That's the root cause of these exacerbated problems that we're seeing with COVID-19, right? So here's the problem. We're looking at the kids and we're saying, ah, let kids be kids. Parents say all the time, oh, everything in moderation And, and really dangerously. I think parents say, you know, my child doesn't have a weight problem. They're not gaining weight, so it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. which is, which is so limiting. We see that weight equals health and it does not, right? Weight does not equal health. Someone can have a pretty healthy profile and look a little heavy visually or look a little heavy on the scale. Someone can be thin as a rail and have a terrible nutrient profile. They can have a totally wrecked gut, right? And be headed for a lifetime of disease. So we have to extract ourselves from this misguided idea that weight and health are related. Um, There's a TEDx talk by Dr. Sarah Halberg. It's awesome. And she says well over half of adults have diabetes or pre-diabetes here in America, plus an additional 16 to 25% of normal weight adults already have insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is basically pre-diabetes. So we're, we're talking like nearly the entire adult population is struggling with insulin resistance, struggling with managing their sugars. We have got to start young with our kids. Um, we need to be healthier to protect us from the worst effects of COVID-19 as far as we can tell. And honestly, Julie, even let's say that theory proves to be false. Oh my goodness. COVID-19 has absolutely nothing to do with diabetes and heart disease, but wouldn't it make sense to do everything we can to be as healthy as possible?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know,
1: regardless, And here's, and I'll just share two more statistics because I think we tend to think that it's not a problem yet for our kids, but type two diabetes, which is the reversible lifestyle related kind of diabetes is up 30% in children in the last 10 years. We know one in three high school students are already overweight. And again, weight is not everything, but it is a metric that can be concerning, especially when we see a shift you know, in the last 10 to 30 years, in that same 10 years, that type two diabetes is up 30%. Depression is up 40% in our tiny people, in our children. And mental health is so related to what we eat as well. It's related to how we feel. It's related to the good decisions we make. And all of this comes together to lead some experts to say that our kids' generation is the first in history to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents'. So we cannot wait to make the changes. We have to teach our kids right.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point about the fact that we do put a lot of emphasis on childhood obesity, although so many kids are walking around, we see them they're stick thin and they're they're not very adventurous eaters. They have a lot of picky eating behaviors and you know there's some research that talks about why that is and it's it's because in certain instances children just aren't being exposed to a large nutrient profile, right? Have you read about that?
1: Not specifically, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're growing up on your mashed potatoes, chicken nuggets, French fries, pasta, I mean, that is, again, it's very bland. It's very tan. There's certainly not a wide nutrient profile there. And yeah, you might be thin, But if your body does not have the building blocks it needs to create your brain cells and the cells in your eyes and, you know, you're just you're just going to start breaking
0: down. Absolutely. And, and you know, what's really concerning, too, is um, we don't have final data on this or recent data. But anecdotally, a lot of pediatricians and experts are coming out to say that children now during COVID because of our disrupted schedules and distance learning and no sports and kids are, you know, basically eating a lot more and and more sedentary is that we're going to expect and and they're seeing it now that the kids are gaining a lot of weight, you know, up to 20 pounds. And they're also saying that it's not something that we can wait for. We need to address it now. Oh,
1: yeah, (laughs) that is. I mean, it's. It's definitely alarming. And I think as an intentional parent, I mean, any listener out there, again, it's not about the weight, it's about the habits, right? Yes. So if this, what that tells me, if it is true, if it proves to be true, is that kids' habits are structured by where they are, right? When they're in school and they have PE and they have sports, they do those things. When they're at home, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. their habits are to wander through the pantry and grab something. Maybe their habits are, just sit on their behind and be on a screen and they don't have the habit of getting outside under their own volition. So parents, if you want to raise healthy kids, raise them to love their vegetables, not because you tell them, but because they taste good, right? Raise them to understand that wandering through the pantry at all hours of the day and grabbing something is not going to be good for your digestion. It's not going to be good for the way you feel. And we, you know, I think adults have found that they've Maybe not modeling, we're maybe not modeling this as well ourselves. When a lot of adults went home to work, they're saying, oh, the, the kitchen being 10 feet from my office is presenting a unique challenge, you know, <laughs> um, but we got to raise kids who, who love being outside, who love moving their bodies outside of organized sports. Cause what happens when organized sports breaks down? Oh man, I, the, the whole society's breaking down. So kids need to have those habits of like, this is what I do. I am a person who moves my body. I am a person who eats a wide variety of food, right? Create that identity for your kids and they will be so much farther ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a challenge with parents working from home. I've always worked from home, but- uh, my kids for for many months were either on hybrid or distance full on distance learning. And mm. and it's hard because I'm working, I'm doing an interview and they're just help themselves to lunch. And I don't you know, there there's healthy choices, but I don't know how much they're eating, what else they're throwing in there. Um, and definitely they're on the TV way too much. And it's true. It's hard to get them motivated without me being there with them, okay, guys, we're going to take a walk. You know, I don't know that they're necessarily going to go outside unless I like force them, you know, get outside, just go move. So it's hard. Um, but, but yeah, I think overall instilling those healthy habits and modeling them yourself is, it it goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. So let's move on a little bit to, um, research what it tells us about, um, when we can have the greatest impact on our kids eating habits. Yeah, I mean, we've been
1: saying it, right? You and I have been saying it this whole time. You got to start young. But the research also proves that. There was a really fun and fascinating study done in 2019 on the IKEA effect. Okay, so the IKEA effect is this idea that when someone's involved in creating something, right, furniture in this case, they feel more favorably about it. And researchers wanted to know if that would work with food as well. Okay, so they studied groups of uh, multi-generational kids and adults, families, and had them make food and then just examined like how how much they ate the food how good they felt about it and the ikea effect completely worked kids who were involved in cooking food enjoyed it more and were more likely to eat it but here's the crazy part it had absolutely zero impact on the adults which tells me it's too late when you're an adult to learn to cook if your purpose is to enjoy food more We've got to teach our kids to be involved with their food because it's, that's the time. That's the limited window where we can have an impact on how open they are to trying new foods because of it. So it's, you know, it's obviously it's a life skill. We all need to learn to cook someday, Mm -hmm. but if we can do it as kids, it's a double whammy because it will help them eat better. Um, There's another fascinating study with um, influencers like on Instagram Mm -hmm. and they found that, they were very, very effective at marketing unhealthy food to kids, junk food marketing, super effective with the influencers. But as soon as the influencers started to try to influence children to eat healthy food, it didn't work. It yeah. didn't work. Yeah. So we can't, we can't make them or influence them to eat healthy food, but we can teach them to be involved with their food
0: and that will actually make the difference. Absolutely. So Katie, why don't you go ahead and tell me, what are all the benefits of teaching kids how to cook? Oh man, where
1: do I start? (laughs) Um, for, For me, so I'm super practical, you know, I'm super busy. I just, I want things that work right away. And so for me, I taught my kids to cook for two reasons. First, I wanted them to be healthy, independent adults and not stuck with like frozen pizza in college, right? I felt that life skills were important. Second, I was overwhelmed, exhausted, mom of four kids. I felt like I was spending all my time at the cutting board and not seeing the children I was trying to nourish. So I was like, I need some help. Okay, totally practical. And then as my kids started learning to cook, we saw all these other incredible benefits. Uh, We call them the three C's that Kids Cook Real Food, just for starters, connection, confidence, and creativity. And we see that when kids are working with food, they're more connected to their parents. They're more connected to where their food comes from. And it really grounds kids. It really helps them um, come come together with their families at the end of the day without screens. And it particularly there were some stories coming out of this pandemic where, you know, the parents are super stressed. As you just said, kids are watching more TV than ever. And they found, oh my goodness, like cooking at the end of the day was powerful, miraculous, nearly. We see confidence come out of these kids. I mean. You think about all the all the activities that kids do during the day, and many of them are kid activities, right? They're going to mm-hmm. school. They might be in a sport. They're playing a game. But when they learn to cook, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is something adults do. And the fact that they can do it and like nourish their family, oh my goodness, the self-esteem boost that that has. I mean, parents have told me that they're, you know, kids who are under the shadow of their special needs older brother are like beginning to blossom and come out of their shell because of learning to cook, because they have this authentic task, this meaningful work that they can do. And that's, I mean, what do all people want? We want to be have meaning. Right. We want to matter to our families. We want to matter to the world. And when you can nourish people, mm-mm We do not need participation medals in the kitchen. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, yeah. that confidence that confidence is real and it spills out out of the kitchen into other areas of life too. Um, and then creativity. I mean, as, as we just said, we've got so many screens and so much consumptive time where the entertainment is coming at us out of the screen. We're not spending enough time as a society being creative. And so, what a beautiful opportunity for these kids to work with their hands to, and not only to be physically creative, but, but to be artistically creative. You know, we had one little girl in our class, she was nine, and she would make up a homemade soup out of like, she would go pick random things out of their garden. <laughs> And the soups didn't, they didn't always taste amazing, but she felt amazing because she was making something up from scratch with the skills she had.
0: Yes. Yeah. And they feel so empowered because they can make their own choices and they know what a healthy meal looks like when they're taking the lead and preparing it or working with you to prepare it.
1: Right. That, that idea of sharing responsibility in the family, you know, all the kids know that they are members of society, even as young as age, age four or five. Um, we just had, had a member named Kara. She's got four kids and they look to be about, I think they're about two to 10 years old. Um, and she said after just three lessons, all of a sudden the fourth lesson, she's like, we were productive. I can't even believe this. I can't wait to plan another time because they're already giving back. They're actually helping. And the kids' smiles, Julie, it just
0: makes my day. That's wonderful. So with that, Katie, we're going to take a break. Life is so hectic, so finding the time to get a healthy dinner on the table every night and save money on your grocery bill, it sounds like a pipe dream. But with the Dinner Daily, it can be a reality. The Dinner Daily isn't a meal kit, but a personalized dinner planning service that sends you meal plans and an organized grocery shopping list built around your food preferences dietary needs, and family size, and it's the only service that uses your grocery store's weekly specials to help you save money, up to $1,200 a year or more. I discovered the Dinner Daily last year, and it made meal planning so much easier, and my entire family loves the recipes, which are all healthy, balanced, and delicious, and most of them take only 30 minutes to make. The Dinner Daily not only saves you money on your grocery bill, but new members get two weeks free. And right now you can try it for 15% off with the code HEALTH15. Just go to thedinnerdaily.com and use code HEALTH15. And now let's get back to this week's episode of Food Issues. So in our last segment, we were talking about all of the amazing benefits of cooking with your kids and teaching your kids how to cook. So Katie, for parents who don't know how to cook, because there are many of them, right? We just talked about so this whole generation of kids, of adults that, that never learned how to cook, really, most of us, um, or they don't like to cook. I know that's a big concern for many parents. They just don't have the energy. They don't have the interest in cooking. But what are some steps that some easy steps that they can take to teach their kids and get their kids involved. Yeah, my hope is that parents listening to your podcast at least have a little motivation, right? If we
1: don't have the skills and we don't have the energy, at least like let's grab onto this motivation that truly truly if we can teach our kids to cook, we will improve their health. We will improve their ability to step into their future as an independent young person who's spending their college years you know, pursuing their dreams, meeting someone they love, building a career and not like, oh my goodness, how do I feed myself? I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. So like, let's stick with that vision, like grab onto that, plant a little seed in your heart and be like, okay, commit. This is important. Once you believe it's important, it becomes a lot easier to figure out the practical steps. So I really believe, and I've seen it dozens and hundreds of times that parents can learn right along with their kids. Right. That's kind of what I say I'm here for is I'll do the thinking for you. I'll do the teaching. You guys just have fun in the kitchen. And so even something as simple as making, you know, sliced banana sandwiches with cream cheese or nut butter is mind blowing to your little ones, you know, your six and unders and that you don't need any special skills to teach that. Right. Right. Simple. And that gets them involved. And they they feel amazing. They feel like hot stuff. Um, if you've got older kids, I think having like allowing them to see you set the example is incredibly powerful to be vulnerable and say, you know, I, I don't really know how to cook or I don't really like cooking, but I've come to believe that that this is important. And I'm going to take a little step and just plan like one from scratch dinner, just one. And talk to your kids about why you're doing it, why you're trying it, how hard it was. Now they shouldn't help when you're doing something new like that, right? Cause you're going to be stressed out. And uh-huh. being positive in the kitchen is really key. Like your mindset is so important. So if you can, you know, try that one from scratch meal, talk about how it went at dinner and then try to get the kids involved the next time you do a from scratch meal. But again, not before dinner, maybe like they could be part of it right after school or shoot, if you're virtual learning <laughs> right after lunch um, when, when it's not stressful and they can just sort of contribute but not be in the moment when you're trying to learn something new. That's too difficult.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Or even on the weekends when there's more time, we're just all at home doing nothing really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a great great opportunity opportunity
1: right now. If, If for those of us whose schedules are cleared, oh man, insert cooking in there where you used to have soccer.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So you believe that we need to redefine play, how we spend our time and dinner. Can you talk about those three areas and what we should know? Yeah, I love to I love
1: to challenge people to redefine things because when you when you look at history, we see that you know the food marketers and the and the culture and the you know capitalist society has redefined how we eat and how we interact with people. So it's time to take it back. It's time for us to redefine. And so I, w- I want to redefine the kitchen as the new playground. Okay, we're we're at home. We can we can call the kitchen our new playground and look at working with kids in the kitchen as something fun as a way to play. And particularly, I like to encourage parents to get their kids in the kitchen very young. Here's the thing. I know it sounds more stressful. It sounds more messy. But research shows that kids under five, they are intrinsically motivated, right? All of us know that. They're asking, can I vacuum? Can I dust? Can I help? We tend to say, no, I got this. But if we can say yes, when they're still intrinsically motivated, we will not break that intrinsic motivation. And when they're eight or 10 or six and they're actually helpful, they'll actually want to help but when we say no 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 the kitchen's not a place for you we're literally building their neural pathways to think the kitchen is not a place for me okay so if you can teach your kids that the kitchen is their playground when they are young you will have more willing helpers when they are older so we got to redefine play we got to redefine how we spend our time okay we don't have to boot the kids out of a kitchen out of out of our kitchens So that we can, oh, let's have some quality family time, game night, movie after dinner. No, like let's redefine quality family time as working together. Okay. So that everyone can have a little special time after dinner, not just the kids. But here's the deal. Choosing that right time is totally key. So cooking with kids needs to be redefined as what we were just talking about. Saturday after school snack, like they can measure some seasonings that you'll use at dinner later. They're still involved without stressing you out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we we definitely need to redefine dinner. I mean, statistics show that more than half of our families are eating separated. We're eating in our rooms. We're eating in the car. We're eating in front of the television. We've got to redefine family dinner again as a family affair. And the best way to do that, Julie, is to get the kids involved. Because when the kids are involved, certainly everyone is coming together to eat. Okay. And then here's the nugget of motivation here. The benefits of family dinners start with just two a week. You don't, you don't have to have five to seven dinners together to get some benefits. And these benefits are immense. Studies show that um, teens are less likely to engage in alcohol and drugs. Teens are less likely to feel depressed and suicidal thoughts when they eat family dinners starting at just two a week. And in fact, family dinners even have a higher impact on academic performance than homework or time spent in school amazing. And family dinners increase teens' um, propensity to have a healthy diet. Kids who eat family dinners together eat fewer calories and less sugar with regular family meals. So like, just the benefits keep flowing. Get your kids in the kitchen, sit down at the table, redefine how they play, how they spend their time, and how you eat dinner to be productive family cooking.
0: Absolutely. That's great, Katie. So my kids are pretty, um, excited about cooking. They help me a lot. We bake, we cook. Um, I've, my youngest, I have a nine and a seven year old. And the seven year old in particular, she's a little foodie and, you know, I'll get cookbooks sent to me and she loves looking through the cookbooks and she wants to try everything. And so recently she has, really taken the lead on cooking dinner for our family. Um, And so it's, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm busy and I'm wrapping work up. And so she'll, um, even if it's just a sandwich for her and her sister. But the other day I came down the stairs and she had made a sandwich for them, but she also had asparagus. So I was really proud. And, um, you know, she's made huevos rancheros, which is easy because it's just sort of, assembling all of the foods together. Um, But this isn't easy, right? And it it takes time. And you've said that your kids um, can cook meals for the entire family. So with with so much going on right now and everyone, even though we're at home, there's still so much to do and Mm. we just don't have the energy, the mental capacity to kind of wrap our heads around this. But what are some simple practical tips for parents who want to get their kids involved and, and make that happen?
1: I love it. I, I promise I will make it easier for parents whose brains are just exhausted at the end of the day, right? And so first of all, Julie, like you set the example by saying yes to your daughter, right? She was motivated. You said, sure. Like, is a sandwich your ideal dinner? Ah, maybe not, but who cares because she did it right. And then yeah. voila, out, out comes the asparagus. So step one <laughs> is to sort of get over our own sense of need for control, right? And try to say yes a little bit more because the benefits will outweigh, outweigh the, you know, temporary pain of a messy kitchen. Um, so here's here's what happened with us. Um, I wanted to volunteer at Church High School Youth Group, which was Sunday evenings at 530. And I said to my husband, I really want to do this. I feel like this is what I need to do at this phase in my life. And he said, honey, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> you You say you will get dinner ready early but you are time challenged. It is not going to work. You're going to be throwing half-done dinners at us and rushing out the door in a huff and leaving all of us sitting there feeling horrible. I said, oh, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> um, <laughs> eat a little slice of humble pie there. He's right though. He's right. I'm a disaster at getting dinner on like early. It's just not a thing. <laughs> so I said to my two kids who at the time, my older two were nine and 12 at the time. Um, I said, would you guys be willing to sort of make this a family service project. Like if you could make dinner every other week for this high school youth group time, then I could leave the house, you know, in not in a huff (laughs) with a good attitude, go serve the high school students. And then you're serving our family. We're all kind of working together. So they said, yes, and here's how I did it. So here's your step-by-step process, right? It's a gradual release of responsibility. So first They had learned skills in the kitchen because I I truly believe that teaching kitchen skills is more important than teaching a recipe, Mm -hmm. right? So they had to know how to measure, how to stir, how to safely use the oven, how to read and follow a recipe well. Like just making homemade salad dressings is about five to seven little building block skills. So that's tip number one is just start with a skill, which seems it feels a lot easier to teach a child how to measure a teaspoon of salt than how to make huevos rancheros, right? <laughs> so we can do that. It's a manageable chunk for a parent to do one skill at a time. Okay. Then the second step was we chose one recipe that they could make every kid's cooking night. It was only every other Sunday. So we have this homemade pizza recipe and again, gradual release responsibility. We chose a day with nothing in the calendar, Sunday, whatever. They watched me make the recipe slowly and talk through it. And then immediately on the very same night, I watched them make the recipe. You can never have too much pizza. So that worked out. (laughs) And then a week later they made it by themselves while I was still at home in another room in case they had questions. Right. And then they took over completely when I left for youth group and they just made that same homemade pizza every other Sunday, the entire first year. That's great. Right. And so they got really good at that recipe. They got really killer on their timing. They knew exactly the moment they had to walk into the kitchen and it was so good for them to own it right? They owned Sunday night pizza. Then the next year when the calendar flipped over, I said, okay, let's step up a little bit. Now, every other Sunday, I want you to choose a new recipe, you know, something that that's not pizza. (laughs) It might not necessarily new to our family, but something they hadn't made. And so then we, you know, every other week we talked about it and planned it out together. Um, and now, now this is year three, They make dinner every um, Thursday night because well, there's there's no youth group because of COVID, (laughs) (laughs) and and they're um they're doing more of the planning. That was the next step of release. And sometimes they stink at it. They sometimes they forget to thaw the meat. Um, There was one day they were (laughs) oh man they had forgotten to thaw meat and they were making meatballs. And my son, so there was like kind of partially thawed, you know, that weird like super cold meat. And my son (laughs) like made all the meatballs and then he kind of walks away holding his hands up like a, like a sterilized surgeon. And he's going, I can't feel my fingertips. <laughs> like, maybe we should thaw the meat more in advance next time. So we learn from failure, right? We, we let them, we're, we're totally letting them make mistakes. Sometimes on Thursday, about three o'clock, I'll look at my husband and go, when do you think they'll remember they have dinner tonight? <laughs> wow, <laughs> should yeah. we tell them? And we're like, nope, we can't tell them. We just gotta see what happens. Yeah. And so again, but this is the third year, uh-huh. Right. So don't compare my end to your beginning. Just start with how to measure a teaspoon of salt, right? How to make one family favorite recipe over and
0: over. And it, you know, you don't have to think about that process. It's simple steps. Absolutely. Yeah. And when kids learn these skills early, it's not such of a burden when they're older. They'll look forward to cooking and they'll know how to do it for themselves and their families. So, Katie, can you talk to me a little bit more about your kids meal revolution and what that is and where parents can get more information about that?
1: Well, the story is a COVID pivot. Um, I achieved a dream in 2020 and landed a TEDx talk, and I was very grateful it was in sleepy North Dakota. It's going to happen in real, you know, in person. And then nine days before the event, it was canceled, postponed for a year. And so I had, I was completely ready. I had this talk that was, you know, built for parents right now. Like, how can we redefine a kid's meal away from those chicken nuggets, right away from that mac and cheese at the Mexican restaurant to being a meal that kids have cooked. That's what I want parents to think when they think we're having a kid's meal. This is a meal that kids have cooked. Okay. Right. And that was my mission. And, um, I actually, someone said, I really think you should just do it yourself. <laughs> and I thought, that's crazy. But I did end up, <laughs> I did end up filming that talk myself and just working to get this message out there of like, now is the time. We need healthy kids more than ever. We have a little bit open schedules in most states more than ever. And we really, really, really need to commit to saying yes, to getting our kids in the kitchen, to starting young, um, and, to, and to really redefining, pushing back against the culture and saying no, no, our kids are better than chicken nuggets, mac and cheese pizza and cheeseburgers, right? Our yeah. kids are better than easy convenience food that does not serve their bodies and does not serve their minds and, and the ability to raise the bar and say our kids are little, they're little adults. So we want them to grow into healthy, independent adults and we need to expand their palate and expand their skill set. Um, so that's my mission. Hashtag kids meal revolution. Um, and people can people can go to kidscookrealfoodcom slash revolution to see the talk and to join in and make that tiny commitment. Yes, I will get my kids in the kitchen in a in a bigger way in twenty twenty one.
0: Great, great, and we'll definitely link to that in the show notes and to your Kids Cook Real Food e course um, and your um, kitchen stewardship site. All of that will be in our show notes. So, Katie, thank you so much for your time today. This is a ton of information and insight for our listeners. Oh my
1: goodness, absolutely. I, if, if anyone can just take one piece of inspiration or say yes to getting their kids in the kitchen one time, I've done my job today.
0: I hope you loved that conversation with Katie Kimball and walked away with some really easy tips to get your kids cooking with you in the kitchen. I want to thank our sponsor, The Dinner Daily, and remind you to head on over to thedinnerdaily.com and use code HEALTH15 to get 15% off. I'm Julie Revelant, and thank you for listening to Food Issues. We'll be back for Season 2 in June, so make sure you subscribe so you won't miss any of the episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love it if you could please take a second to leave a review and a rating. You can connect with me on julirevelant.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.